So yeah, I wanted to open it up with, uh, well, first of all, it's a pleasure to chat with you. I'm a fan. Yeah. So Thanks, it's, it's, it's been good to, to track you down. Um, but I wanted to open up with the concept of the medicine game. Um, and I know you get asked this a lot, but like, what's the the historical roots of that? So like, not what it means to you, but what it means meant to your ancestors. Yeah, I think I think it's changed over time. Um, you look at evolution and how people treated each other and what we've had to go through, and I think you know you hear it throughout history when learning about the history of the game. It was the little brother of war. It was known as as a replacement for war. So instead of going to war, if if two nations, tribes were were fighting over territories, um, it would be settled with a lacrosse game. So instead of going to war over that territory, they would settle it with a lacrosse game. Really a peaceful way, a, a really mm, peaceful yeah. way. Great approach. alternative. Yeah, to instead of going to war. So it was a really peaceful approach. But you look down the line on when it started to become, instead of this little brother of war, a medicine game. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there was a point in time where, you know, our people went through a lot of trauma, went through a lot of historical beaten and trauma that caused our communities to need some, some energy, some positive energy. And I think that's also where the game came in as, as a medicine game. Um, but I think throughout history it's always been treated as just a stickball game and the way i look at it now and what i've learned from the game it's all about enjoyment it's all about um finding your happiness finding your peace and within the game so letting the game do the teaching Uh, i still to this game to this day try to do that but when i look at like the medicine game i grew up with so you know i explain the little brother of war i explain it being a medicine game. Now, you know, since I was a kid, I've been fortunate enough to play in actual medicine games where every spring the community comes together. We play a game with, you know, it could be 50 people there, could be 100 people there, could be 200 people there. Whoever shows up, we play a game. And the game, those games, those spring games, it's more of a renewal. It's for the individual, it's for the community, it's for your stick. Mm-hmm. It's for almost, uh, we personify a lot of things. So um, we personify the game itself. So it's for the spirit of this game. And and the approach is the harder you play, the stronger the medicine. You go out there and you just sort of have fun. Sometimes we go to an even number. So the game will end with a 2-2 tie mm-hmm. and, and the game's just finished. Um, and... I've also played in games that are for individuals. Maybe it's a, an elder who's sick. I've played in one for a kid who who just couldn't play with a clear mind. He always wanted to fight. He always wanted to... Um, he just played the game too angry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his father had us play a medicine game for him. and Like a cleansing. Yeah, it was a cleansing. And it was the point is for all these people that are coming to play in this game is to put your energy into the game but the ball is what holds the medicine. So that that child, he he made the ball, and he was gifted the ball and took it. He still mm-hmm. probably still has it. Um, so that's what we're taught. So 
when it's when the game's meant to be played for an individual, the medicine goes to the ball. When it's meant to be played for the community, um, it's in your stick. Mm-hmm. It's in whoever's there. Um, it's on that field. So I yeah. take that same approach. Yeah, well, it shows when you play. Um, yeah, and so I know you went out to the Dakota Access Pipeline and you said you wanted to do a game there. So that would be less of a, a renewal and that's that there's a cause for doing it right you're just there are suffering people and you're yeah. you want to have some fun and, and have a game yeah i think i think i was a little bit confused with the dakota access pipe, pipeline because when i got out there um while we were traveling out there the whole purpose was to more so see what was happening because mm-hmm. i was seeing what was happening on facebook in social media yeah within the native american communities and it sent sad like a lot of people were suffering mm-hmm. and fighting out there and, and sent like they needed their spirits uplifted when i got out there i felt something a whole lot different i felt a sense of community and people coming together for a bigger cause so it was almost like um that was a medicine that was already be being made there without the game but gotcha. when we got there um we still played the game we still brought you know, 15 sticks and uh-huh. a couple of people had their sticks and we just had a game. Yeah. Fun. I love that. How about uh, like on a per, like you said, <clears throat> you mentioned you come together and it's a community game, but it, there's an individual level to it, right? Like, so it's a medicine game for you and for anyone else playing for you. What is, in what way do you find medicine in the game? Really? Like for, you have a game this week. You have two games this weekend. Yeah. What are you, in what way does it provide medicine for you? I think first and foremost, it is about yourself first. You, you can't help anybody if you can't help yourself. So mm-hmm. you got to you gotta start with yourself. And for me, um, I continuously have to look back on what I've learned from the game. And I always break this down to three things. It's about, um, it's about respect which which is being mindful it's it's thinking about others it's thinking about your surroundings it's thinking about yourself it's respecting all the parts of what you're participating in that's one of the main things the game has taught me the next thing is within our cultures you always hear play with a clear mind play with a good mind Mm -hmm. all that means to me is to be optimistic yeah i was curious because you you talk about the good mind having the good mind and so it that means optimism yeah it just means to be like people think i'm always like i'm always playing with a good mind or always Mm -hmm. playing with a clear mind but you can't when you're out on the field exactly your competitive nature takes over and you do grip your stick you Mm -hmm. do get mad but it's about being being optimistic and saying okay this isn't happening to me this is happening for me and finding the good in it but also you know when i go through conflict and you go through it you know a hundred hundred times throughout the last night you guys had a conflict yeah yeah that was tough that was that was tough to get through like i didn't i'll be honest i didn't enjoy that game um and for me it's about how do i overcome this conflict as quick as possible how do i find the awareness of what's going on internally mentally Mm -hmm. and find a lesson the game's always given me lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I find, whenever I cross conflict, I try to find the lesson. And then the last one 
and honestly the most important one because this is where i operate from the most yeah it's fun it's about enjoyment we can see it like watching you play it's that's the most yeah you're and i always try to i mean i always say it's about it's about enjoyment it's about playing with a playful attitude and when you go out there and you do that you can have fun and um that's where I think that's how I know this is my passion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, because it makes me happy. And in the process of it making me happy, I know it's my purpose because it makes other people happy. I'm able to help people do, I'm able to help people by doing what I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, that the having fun is, is what resonates the most with me because like, that's why I play the game, right? It's, and that's probably why, I'm not a great coach of the game. So I'm just like, just have fun. Do you think, you know what I mean? Like, but how do I get to the fun? How do I become a great player? I don't know. I just go out there and have fun. You know what I mean? Like that's always been my approach to the game. But one thing that definitely comes through in, in your game is like the creativity of your game. And something I was thinking about sitting around today when I was preparing for this it's and you said I'm gonna to refer to my. This is the. They use this to wrap the toilet paper. <laughs> I, I took it off the maid cart. This is, this is how I prep. Um, but you it's said perfect. I play lacrosse to entertain the creator and to entertain my mind. So I, I was curious about because native players typically play very creatively, right? Like when I look at you, your brothers. Um, Randy Stotts, like just so fun to watch and so create. There's such like a free flowing. So when it's when you say I play to entertain the creator, does creativity play into that aspect of it, or is it is it effort? Is it you? T- you mentioned effort earlier, like think, go out there and play hard. But what do you think it is that makes you guys some of the the most creative players? It's just the freedom. Um, you know, I mean, I think. If you look at it in the terms of the the youth in our communities, mm-hmm. um, it's not very strict. We're not we're not drilled. We're not told, um, you know, we have to be at certain tournaments. It's all based off of what we love to do. And honestly, a lot of our games are played in the backyard. Like mm-hmm. growing up, ninety percent of my games were in my backyard against my older cousins who were, you know five to 10 years older than me. Yeah. So I was just a little kid getting bumped, pushed around, <laughs> getting stripped. You getting had to-, to shoot the behind the back. Just yeah. to- <laughs> so you have to be creative. And in a backyard, when it is about fun, when it's not about, um, I can't say it's not about winning because even in the backyard, you're still competing to win. Of course. But it's, it, it allows you to be more, f- more flow, have more flow and be more creative and just have more fun. Like mm-hmm. take that risk because there is no, you're not, you're not, you're not getting yelled at for exactly, throwing a backhand yeah. or one handed between the legs or anything like that. So, um, I think that's a part of it. But when I say it occupies my mind, um, I, I translate that into our, into our language because, in our language, something that occupies your mind, it keeps you on the right path because it's occupying your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get di- distracted, when you 
when your mind isn't occupied, when you're just hanging out, um, have bored. When you're bored, you have nothing to do. That's when you start to get into trouble. So lacrosse has really kept me on my path yeah. because it's occupied my mind. And I look at like intelligence. I look at like where creativity comes from. That comes from your passion and your ability to think about things. And my mind has always been on lacrosse. So my intelligence for the game has allowed me to think deeper about it because in terms of shooting, I'm just like, the normal person just shoots the ball. Me, I'm like, okay, this works, this works, this is better. And I test out different shots and I think I'm thinking about it. I watch my brothers, Mm -hmm. you know, Miles being the most accurate shooter out of me and my brothers and competing against him and trying to be like, why is he so much better than me at shooting the ball? In trying to dissect them, so well, Blaze Blaze brought up that you would always consult him. Like, was that hard to say in college when you'd shoot on Blaze? He said that you were always looking for feedback in a unique way. Like, you you were always looking to dissect your own shot. Yeah, I mean that's where actually speaking of Blaze, like where I got my shovel shot from, it stemmed from my first question of Blaze after the first time I did it was like. Was that hard to read? Because I did it a few times and it was like, why aren't you <laughs> saving? Safe to say it's yeah. hard to read. <laughs> why aren't you saving that? He's like, yeah, that's, that's hard. Like, I can't tell where the ball is coming from. Uh-huh. But like, I think for me, I'm just so interested in the game. I always have mm-hmm. those questions. I'm always trying to dissect other people's game. As a kid, I would go watch my father's games. And he, we would, me and my brothers would sit there. And my father would give us a task. Pick a player and... Just watch them the whole game. And that's what we would do. And I would dissect. You know, he played with, um, you know, guys who played professional. Jeremy Hollenbeck, Tim Sedan mm-hmm. for Rochester, um, Mike Benedict. And sit there and watch the game and just see what they do. Dissect it. Try it in the backyard. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot, a lot of that creativity comes from influence, but also just from yourself, from having fun, your own mm-hmm. passions. And having that drive of, like, I feel like of all the players in the game, it's interesting because athletes, is an athlete an artist? Oftentimes, yeah, but it's not categorized as such. But I think out of all the players in the sport, you would be the closest to an Like, you're you've invented things that you do there's a free-flowing nature about what you're doing that is very close to art um so i don't know if you're do you think of yourself as a you have a lot of like what you said before we started recording you said you you don't like downtime you gotta be you gotta be busy you gotta be and in a lot of ways that's that's an artist tendency right it's like and that's almost why people create. I can't just sit here. I gotta. I gotta get something done here. Yeah. Right. And your life is, for the most part, all feeding this one art. Like you, whether it be your diet, your workouts, etc. And then the the manifestation of this art is what you do on the field. Right. Like that's your. Yeah. And you have your family, etc. But you remind me of an art. Do you feel like an artist? I, I've never looked at it in that sense. Um, you are one for sure, but but yeah, I mean, I think I think when you break it down like that, 
a lot of the things I do are they bundle in the same group, the same category of what I do for a living, which is play lacrosse, mm -hmm. teach lacrosse, be a teacher, be a player, um, be an athlete. So like when I think about, you know, going back to what I do in my downtime, it's recovery, it's training, it's taking care of my fueling my body. You know, when I say occupy my mind, it's just like, um, that's where my mind always is. Mm -hmm. It's not always necessarily on like film or the game itself, but do you, you watch know, film? Not as much anymore. Um, I have I have been lately, only because uh, we haven't been we haven't been playing too well. Yeah. I haven't been playing too well, so just trying to. I did a lot in, in college, and towards the end of my college career, I just felt like it was getting too much into my head. Mm -hmm. I was I was trying to. It was taking me out of my creative flow um, because I would think too much. I'm with that same deal. <laughs> I would I can't watch film. Not I can't, but then I I would think about what I ought to do, which would make me non instinctual, right? I, I would yeah. not. I wouldn't react properly. I'd plan things. Yeah. Which is obviously not good for. A, it depends on what type of player you are, but for someone like you, especially, film could maybe hinder. Your the fact that you come up with stuff off the top of your head at any time and it works. Yeah, I also think film is uh, like when I watch film half the time I'm not doing it as homework. I'm just watching because I like to watch lacrosse. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but, but people but, are giving you credit. Like you watch a lot of film. Yeah, just because I like to watch it has nothing to do with studying. <laughs> yeah, I mean in box like I could watch box lacrosse. All day. What do you like better, box or, or field? Box. I, I was interested as to what you were going to say. <laughs> I was like, I may, you know, I thought you'd probably say you love them both equally in that. Why, why do you love box more? I think at one point I did. Um, like field more? No, I, I did love them both oh, equally. equally. Okay. They're two completely different sports. 100%. And my problem with field lacrosse is that as a professional player, it, um, no, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm hating on the face off, but. Oh, I hate the face off. So <laughs> just go fuel but, the fire. <laughs> in a game like last night, I was talking to the defender who was covering me, Ben Randall. And I was like, the face off is just like killing the game for me because the whole point of why I want to play is I want to battle against you. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I want, I want you to hit me. I want to play against you. I was like, do you enjoy this? He's like, yeah, cause we're winning. But I was like, winning's only a part of the game. Like if I could sit at my hotel and we won, I didn't enjoy the game. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the game needs to go up and like, I just want some touches. Um, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. <laughs> that, you have a, and that, that's where very it's, valid point. It's gone for me as especially as an attackman, mm -hmm. um, because as a kid I always played midi, so I was very involved in. That's in what I was gonna all parts. So yeah. I was like, I loved field lacrosse, and I couldn't wait for the next season. And then towards the end of box, towards the end of field, I'd be like, can't wait for box. Mm -hmm. So I'd love them equally. But now, since faceoffs have become such a dominant part of the game, mm -hmm. and I've never been on a team that we've won them. So that might be, that is a huge part. But then that means somebody on the other end, the opponent, 
is getting tag touches. Yeah. Isn't. You know what I mean? Like oh, if I'm yeah. if I'm winning, if my team's winning them and I'm having all the fun, the dude on the other side oh, of the field yeah. isn't. So you're saying you want him to have fun too. It should I should want be, everybody to be involved. Exactly. Where That's, box provides box that box provides that. It's up and down. That th- this is my when I was thinking about the question, I'm like, he probably likes box more because he was originally that do it all midi. Like uh, box is closer to what you were in high school, right? Because you were on the field the whole time, you were playing, you were getting touches, and yeah. then you became more specialized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when, once I got to Albany and I became an attackman, ask Coach Mark, like I was always trying to run past the midfield line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like be involved. Um, but now, yeah, you were just wanting on the fun. <laughs> what do you mean it, I can't go over there? But now it's like, uh, not that I don't love the game. Like I still love it. But if you're gonna compare it to box, like I, my mind is is it's being occupied for two hours, uh-huh. and then I get a rest at halftime. Like it's being occupied for two hours. Exactly. Well, Whereas think- right now, you know, we could score a goal. And not touch the ball again for five minutes. Yeah, I so. think I think you, what you just expressed is the primary difference of the games, right? It's like, and especially as someone who who operates, if if you like to get in a zone and and get like you just get That's hotter, the right? Part. Exactly. So when like you're, if I was on the wings, I would I'd still love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well you why don't why don't they toss you up there? Because you're so good off the ground, like. What's the thought there? And you and you're self-proclaimed in the best shape of any player on the team. Um, do you ever do you ever think about being like, can I go up on the wing? We have. I've been I've been hurting. I've been uh, sort of battling an injury. Oh, okay. So I can't I can't be up running the field. Uh-huh. Um, if you've watched the games, you, you could probably tell that I'm I'm sort of just playing a role right now it's it's a little bit tough it's one of the tougher injuries i've i've faced in my it's the toughest injury i've faced in my career but in terms of the face-off itself um it's a whole different world like when i look at the face-off too like Mm -hmm. i'm sure the wings the face-off guy it's it's like its own unit of of things Mm -hmm. that it could be a fun part of the game as a fan, you know what I mean? So I don't I don't know how to what my take is. So when you turn the TV on, it's like, okay, these dudes are Is battling. it that that's the question. Is is it do you think that people who don't watch the sport turn on the game and are they find that riveting? I think or are they just like what the hell's going on here? I think there's two parts. I think tradition really holds on to people. Like like it's been going on for so long that that as players, um, there'd be a complete uproar if, if the PLL took out the, the face-up. I'm with you. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, it is the, you know, the typical fan, do they love the face-off? You know, has there ever been a voting on that? I don't know. But um, I do think there's, there's a reason it's still going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And is it just because of tradition? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> It's got to be tradition, probably. But yeah. but I don't want to. Yeah, I, I I respect face-off guys because actually you take some face-offs yourselves, but or yourself. I would never take a face-off. When I was young, I did, but it requires a level of grit that towards the latter half of my life thus far I didn't have. So 
I don't want it to sound like I'm that disrespectful to face-off guys, but I do. Your point is the best point. It really can take a player out of the game. It can limit the fun. It can it as can, a whole too. Like I'm not just saying a player because somebody gets the benefit exactly. of that face-off, but as a whole, as the ten people on the field, they don't all get to experience being involved. Whereas any other team sport, you get that hockey box lacrosse um football is a little different comparable Soccer. comparable football is maybe comparable where but not mm. but everyone gets to gets a burst of getting to go uh-huh you might not be the focus of the play but everyone gets a burst of once that whistle blows me versus you yeah um whereas the face-off that's not the case because they're in the face-off battle i'm just standing inside the two-point arc Waiting. Yeah, talking to your defender. Yes. Do you agree with the face-off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go too... We'll, we'll move on because... Yeah, but you, you, on. You're, you're, <laughs> you make valid points, though. Um, I want to get back to the, to the artist thing because I feel like... Like, is there a part of you as a player that craves, like, novelty, like, new things and unpredictable... It seems like the way you play the game, there's so much. You're you're chasing. If you watch you play, every play is different. Granted, you do a dunk, but even your your backhand dunks are. You know, sometimes you're not looking, sometimes you are, and you have like that. That's where I see the most artist in you is that like you you wouldn't have fun if you were to do the same thing over and over and score. And tell me if I'm and win or whatever. It seems like you're you're chasing a creative form of play that and correct me if I'm wrong, but that that, that style of play pleases you. Um honestly, I, I don't think I'm chasing it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm just playing the game and opportunities that happen happen. Um sometimes I try things in games that I've never tried in the backyard and Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm willing to take those risks, but at the same time, um, I'm a competitor, and I'm playing for fun. I'm playing to win. And I think when people look at a lot of what I have to say, they think that I don't care about winning. Winning isn't everything to me, but I think when you when you make things a competition, whether it's playing cornhole or lacrosse um an actual game or just playing an accurate accuracy competition as soon as as soon as you say first one to five first one to three the intensity goes up and for some reason you get to look back on that competition and be like damn that was fun i want to do it again whereas if you're just sitting there all day you know and me and my brother do this we got our accuracy boards and we're just there and at, at a point, it's just like you're just playing catch. You're not competing. As soon as we're like, okay, first one to get it in wins, it becomes fun. And that's where the approach to winning, that's my approach to winning, is like I step on the field, I'm competing to win. But at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. It's about having fun. It's about um, learning and it's about the three things I sort of just listed. But yeah. like I said, I operate from the fun state. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my favorite that, place. That's 
that's the art. It's almost um, akin to the person who paints in their house and someone says, you know, you can make a lot of money off this, a.k.a. you could win. And they say, oh, I just, I just paint because I like to paint. It would be great if I win. But it, uh, that mindset that you just expressed yeah. is a very artistic mindset. Like it is fun before result. But of course, you want to win. And that is what almost creates the competitive environment that brings out the best in you. Yes. But that quality is, is a very like artist mindset that I like. I admire that in you as a player. And looking at your career at Albany, you didn't win a championship. But no one's saying that you weren't the best player to ever play. Yeah. Everyone's – it's pretty unanimous. So and I think you, proved that the, you proved that point in your collegiate career. I mean, you won the Twarton twice, right? Yeah. You didn't win a championship, but you definitely had the most fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like – if the championship equated to how much fun you like, the most free and fun style of lacrosse, you won multiple championships. And that's where I think um, the current state of sports is they, they've lost the artist in it, they've lost the creativity because it's become sport has become about just winning. It's been about, um, you know, if we're competing for a national championship for six months out of the year and your mind is only on the end result it's only on the championship it's only on hoisting that trophy and happiness doesn't happen unless you hoist that trophy um that's where sports are and we've forgotten to enjoy it minute by minute hour by hour and the experience like hopping out to practice hopping out to games and actually enjoy these experiences in what you're doing and that's where this energy becomes um, becomes a domino effect, becomes contagious for the rest of the people. And I, I mean, I in U.S. Lacrosse, I did that. I did an article talking about this stuff and comparing. Um, I don't call the game a sport. I don't call lacrosse a sport. I, I call it a game because to me, mm-hmm. a game is something you play with joyful intention. You know, you could play chess, you could play a card game. You do it just for fun. Um, And it's usually not all about winning or losing. But sport, I know people who hunt for sport. I know people who fish for sport. I know people who play sports for sport. And that's where our current state of sports are. That's where the current state of lacrosse is, right from the youth level to the professional level, where us as people don't know how to understand the game in this the fun in this it's only about the end result um and i've been there i've i've been in that state but um i've observed myself enough to know that that's not where i'm optimal when i'm when i'm gripping my stick or when i'm chasing an end result i try to be present and that's when i enter those flow states that's when Mm -hmm. i'm able to be creative um and do some of the yeah, you can't even describe it. <laughs> yes, some of the whatever cool, it is you you pull off out there. The cool fun yeah. things I'm you're able to do on the field. You're in a you're in a. You don't think about it. Yeah, you you can reflect on it, uh-huh. but in the moment you're not planning anything. Yeah, it's um, a prerequisite for doing those things, right? I mean, yeah, like that. That's what the flow state is. Is uh, there's no end. You're not you're not chasing an end. 
Yeah. And it's fun. And I'm I'm like super observant, so I I try to I try to see like what works for myself. Um even for my kids, like as a parent, I I try to observe my kids so that I can help steer them in the right direction. Whereas I'm not just guiding them in a direction where they're not even passionate about some of the things they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at the artists, you look at the greats, you look at Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, uh, Tiger Woods, like these are all types of people that um, knew how to channel that competitiveness and it allowed them to be creative players and have fun doing what they do. Yeah, we know Michael as the most competitive dude in sports. I think what he was special at is channeling his ego, channeling when to take things personal. You know what I mean? Like, okay, he people might look at some of the things he held on to for a couple of years, but when he stepped on the court, he was able to channel it. That's the special thing about sports is it same thing in a gym. Like people in a gym are that's when your your ego is really active mm-hmm. that's what I've never about been myself. so <laughs> <laughs> that's when my ego is really active when I'm on the field like that's when you got to tell yourself like some of the things you would never tell yourself like uh you know what I mean like telling yourself you're the best mm-hmm. you know I could beat this dude anytime I want yeah it's a good time to channel your ego so that you can have confidence faith in yourself yeah well, it must feel great to tell yourself that and have it be true for you. Because <laughs> if I go out, I'm the best of all times. Like, no, you're not. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. That's. Uh, do you do that on the field? Like, are you? Does the ego come out on the field for you? Or are you? Um, like, what? It, what is your on-field mindset? I just actually last night I was watching your game, and you actually hit your stick on the ground in frustration when you're running off the field. And I was like, I don't, I don't, that's a rare, that's a rare Lyle move. Like, a, you know what I mean? Like you're so calm, cool, collected that. Yeah. I mean, um, last night was, I mean, like I said, it was a tough game. We, we lost, what was the score? 19 to seven. Um, Something around there. And, but like I said, you go through conflict every single game. You, and you have a hundred moments of of these stressful moments throughout the game. I have them. It's just my ability to overcome them. My approach in game is to a lot of talking to myself, a lot of reminding myself, um, making sure I'm doing what's best for my team, but also for myself and in finding ways to help my team. So. Um, I don't always, I'm not always super positive, but I always, whatever chance I get, I try to, I just try to make it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like last night, it was, it was, eventually it just became laughable. And it was like, it's better to laugh at this than to stress over this for, um, that's my for li- the time being. It's my life policy, yeah. For the time being, you know what I mean? There, There is a lesson to learn. I have to make sure. I can't be too passive. I got to make sure. Yeah, got to stop laughing eventually. But Yeah, but, you know, in game, it was super frustrating because we didn't get the ball. We weren't catching a flow on offense. And um, next thing you know, we're, every single dude on offense is, is gripping their stick. So it's a combination of a lot of things. But 
I always try to remind myself of a bigger purpose of why I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And that's the common theme for myself. Like before the game, I always give thanks for the opportunity to play. I always give thanks for where I am. Um, and and then when I'm out on the field, I try to do the same thing. And I try to I try to use my energy. And I, there's a reason I have energy to play this game, and I try to put it, leave it on that field. And going back to personifying things, I personify the field itself. You know, whatever I was mad at last night, field earned it. The field earned that on me, and I respect it for that. It gets to take that from me. Mm-hmm. Has my energy out there, and um, I'm gonna get some new energy, and I'm gonna go play again tomorrow. And hopefully, I can. That energy is is more positive for myself. But at the end of the day, it's all good. Um, yeah. There's like always that. there's always something to look forward to. Yeah, it's an admirable, admirable mindset. I think I could. I wish I can go back and work on it <laughs> when I was playing. But um, let's let's. I I listened to uh, I forget what podcast it was, but your childhood um, that you mentioned that you didn't have running water or electricity till you were eleven, right? Is that- yep. And then you said, and I got to reference my toilet paper wrap here again because I don't want to misquote you, but I think it was, it wasn't a bad time. It was just a time, right? Which is a profound statement. So you didn't, not having electricity or running water, what, you know, there was no problem with that for you. That was just a a time in your life. Was that, is that because that was what your surroundings were and that wasn't, out of the ordinary for the neighborhood or was it because it just didn't it was out of ordinary for the neighborhood we just lived in an undeveloped uh, road that was just becoming developed Uh Um, so we didn't have a a water line through our road yet it only went up so far we lived on top of a hill same with electric electricity and on the res it takes a little bit longer for for it to get up there so we didn't have electricity one running water we end up using a generator for for a few years there until we got electricity but in terms of running water we would uh we had this bag it was like a i don't know maybe a 5 gallon bag it had a hook on it we would hook it up in the bathroom and, and we'd all like a shower get some bag. lukewarm water and we had 5 gallons all five of us had to jump in a shower in in a timely matter yeah, before, be before the yeah. before the jug was empty uh-huh. so um it wasn't common in the neighborhood but it wasn't it was all i knew it was nothing new for me and i still was a happy kid like i don't have it's not a traumatizing memory of mine it was just a time it, yeah it was just a time and and it actually it was a positive memory of mine. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed that memory. I enjoyed that time. Um, nine o'clock came. We were in bed. Um, dark time came. We were inside, and um, there was really nothing to do inside during the day. So we really soaked up the daytime, and we were outside all day playing sports, playing in the woods, whatever the case may be. But when I look back on it. I know that you don't need much, you know. I was happy at that time. My father and my 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 mother, we always had a healthy um, family meal, 
right there at our house and we did everything as a family so um i i look at that as just a time mm-hmm. and it's a part of who i am it's a part of where i've come from and i'll never forget where i come from because i know that my parents worked really hard for me to get where i am and to keep me happy to keep me and my brothers and my sister a close-knit healthy family um with limited dollar and i'm in a situation now where i have five kids and i have a wife and i know i know kids don't need much so the most important thing you could give a kid is your time and that's one thing my father always said and always did um, both my parents that's all i try to do for my kids is to you know you can buy them all they want but all they want is your time yeah all they want is your energy does that like that perspective of knowing that you grew up 11 years with that and it was a happy time for you and the the theme being you don't need much does that inform how you live your life now like are you do you try to not go do you live more minimalist or like what what's your I do your live situation? minimalist but I water I love hot water. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of that is because I grew up without hot water. So once you got it, so you were... We, we had, once a week, we would go down to the res school and we would uh, we would get to shower there at the gym. And it was hot water, so we would just sit in it and just enjoy a hot shower. And um, it makes you be, become really grateful. Mm-hmm. And now that's one of my things like i i like to take long hot showers <laughs> yeah well can't um, blame you but other than that you know i you ever think about cutting off the hot water at the house to make your kids enjoy it later <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you need to because there's a lesson to be learned um i haven't been too strict on that yet <laughs> like, i should now, be no i have i should be. well now let them know i'm just being <laughs> joking around but your perspective on it is so you know that's a that's a unique perspective to to not have hot water and electricity for eleven years, right? It's like you're you are the person you are today because of yeah that. Time. Yeah, the actual thing now too is I live in Six Nations, mm-hmm. and um, what a lot of people don't know is on reservations it's all boil water advisory, especially in in Canada. Um, so if your if your reservation doesn't have money doesn't have a way of generating some funds to to put on water um, water wells or some way of getting your community clean water to drink your water is boil water advisory and that's what we have in six nations and um, everything is new being developed now so right now my house has a tank um, that'll last a month then I got to order new water every week so in a way, my kids do know that. Oh, I was going to say, that's it, what I'm thinking right now. Is like as soon as, they are, they're as soon as living alarm, a similar struggle. Yeah, as soon as our alarm goes off, um, they know that, hey, we gotta, the water guy is not going to be here for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, take it easy on the water. But also, we teach that. like My kids, um, kids watch and learn. One thing I was thinking about the other day was I was brushing my, my daughter's teeth. And well, I was brushing my teeth with her, and I always turned the water off. As soon as, as soon as I get it wet, I brush and then turn it off. And then once I need it again, I turn it on. And she was brushing her teeth, and she did it. And I was like, 
I never taught you that. Where'd you Where'd you learn that? But they watch. They learn. Yeah. They pay. They're paying attention. They're gonna do what you do. So you're an example. Mm-hmm. They're a reflection of who you are. Yeah. So they're um, becoming. So in a way, we do teach those little things just by being who we are. Me and my wife. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're like even a boil water advisory. Is is that? Did I just say that right? Yeah. Boil you, you got to go grab your own water. Like you can't drink from the. Sink. Like yeah. Like that's that's a a struggle in itself, right? So they're. You know, it's not like they're sitting in hot water for 20 minutes. Yeah. You don't need to play any tricks on them like I <laughs> stupidly recommended. But anyway, um, let's let's go through your, your Albany years because uh, well, I played you at Albany. Uh, 2012, I think. My um, freshman year? Yeah, you were playing midi, thank God. That's why we. I think we beat you. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was I, before, I remember that game. Yeah, it was before... Before, I guess, you slash the whole team figured out who you were, right? It's like if we put Lyle at attack and get him the ball every time, we win. <laughs> <laughs> so you were still playing midi, but you were, it was clear. You were playing all over the field pretty much, like yeah. you said. Um, so what, when you came into Albany, did you realize how good you were? Like what – did you realize – you know what I mean? You you go from playing MIDI and being all over the field, what you're good at, right? And that you see that in your indoor game. Like you, you get a yeah. lot of loose balls and you can get up and down the floor. So it's not like you're not good at playing MIDI, but you're very good down low. Was it was it when did you realize how you had to play on attack? Um I mean I as a MIDI um, I mean, I'm still like MIDI is still my pa- like a part of my passion. I still love to play defense, mm-hmm. like even in box. Um, my coaches have to pull me back just to conserve my energy so that I'm fresh towards come fourth quarter. But um, I think Coach Mars' plan was just once he told me I was gonna be an attackman, I sort of accepted it. I wasn't a I actually wasn't a great Dodger from X. Um, I learned a lot from my, my brother in honestly just observing other John Grant Jr., like other other guys who had, I can't even say my style, just a style I wanted to have. Um, so I wanted to become more physical. I was I was someone who used my feet. As a midi, I, w- I wanted to run by my defender with my feet and not create too much contact. So I was, I was confident as a high school player in my freshman year um going into college i think i got humbled pretty quick like my confidence went down because um i wasn't you know in high school you can you can Mm -hmm. split doubles you can split triples but once i got to college you can't do that you got to be able to shoot on the run weakness of mine um so i wasn't i wasn't a huge part of the team my freshman year and then my sophomore year, once I got to attack, uh, that's when that's when Blaze came. Like, I think people people sort of give us over credit as far as me, Miles, and Ty, what we did on attack being what transformed Albany. Blaze was a huge part of that. Like, he being our goalie, and he was huge. Like, we didn't we didn't never want a lot of faceoffs, um, and he was getting. I don't know, 17 to 20 saves a game. 
which is crazy and giving us giving us those those possessions Mm -hmm. so um that was the biggest change that was one of the biggest change changes was the fact that we had a goalie now that was that was making a ton of saves and we were pushing transition it allowed us to play our style of game and he's also not just a goalie that makes saves he's really good on the outlet he's really good at seeing putting spot feeding and making sure we're pushing in transition and that's my game like my game is in transition that's where i thrive um so we were able to put up a lot of be really chaotic in in transition um and then our chemistry was you know i th- i think what coach mar did really well was um make sure everybody knew knew their role and fortunately for me like my role was very loose like i yeah. could sort of do whatever i wanted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and never get yelled at or never get uh-huh. like it was everyone's fault but mine um, which I'm sure the middies hated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we we played it, you know, uh, I hope I hope everyone on the team enjoyed our style, but it was just like a fun, fast style. Yeah. And everyone, the whole world enjoyed the style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyone watching lacrosse would, if you weren't a fan of that team, then you weren't watching. Yeah. It's weird to look back on now because in the moment, we never seen, like I never realized mm-hmm. um sort of what was happening there we were just taking it game by game towards yeah. the end of my career I, well, you started to career, realize I started to realize that like okay people are coming like albany was we we're getting packed stadiums uh-huh and it was like from my freshman year to empty seats to my senior year sell out crowds but again this is the artist the that you that there was that wasn't the goal right you weren't it was only once people started showing up that you were like wow I've just been having fun doing this and it seems like people like it. <laughs> yeah. Like that is the the lost in the process and not seeing the end line type of thing. I'm just yeah. bring bring back the artist the artist theme. What do you think would have happened if cuz I heard you said you almost well, correct me if I'm wrong, but Marilyn was in the the cards, right? Or it Marilyn um Virginia I just do you feel like had you Cuse. gone somewhere else? Oh, so those three. Cuse wasn't really in the mix. Mm-hmm. And the only reason is because they didn't recruit me. Like I wanted to go to Cuse because it was right there. It was home. Yeah. And um Well they they missed that one, huh? And, and like my, my brother went there, my cousin went yeah, there. Yeah, how did that um and they just didn't they didn't recruit. I think they just assumed we were gonna go there. And I think my ego was oh. like, took it personal. Was like, okay, you guys don't think I'm Maryland and Virginia are over here over recruiting me. Yeah. While you're just not, you sent me a letter and that's it. Um, so I, I think I did, you know, I did take a little bit personal there and it took them out of the picture. Um, and had I went to another school, no, I don't think I would have had that success. Yeah, it's what uh, it's an interesting thought experiment, right? Like a I, player I, I, like I yourself would've... could almost dictate a coaching style, right? Where if you have a player like you who plays that free-flowing style and is so good at it, you almost have to be like, I know we've been an X's and O's team in the past, but it's time to change because do you feel like if you went – somewhere and played under anyone other than scott marr that you would be you 
today. No, I don't think so. I think Coach Mar gave me a whole bunch of confidence and freedom to be me. Um, he gave my brother, he gave Ty, he gave he gives his players a whole lot of freedom. Yeah, it feels that way. Whereas at, at any other school, first of all, I would have stayed a midi. And I'm not sure how... I even look at someone like Zed, Zed's potential. Mm-hmm. Like he had a good college college career, but if he had um yeah, if he had played for Coach Perf- Mar, perfect example. He would have been like you. Yeah. He he would have he would have had all the freedom and he would have done I don't know, he he would have done, done so much. Like he would have been unstoppable yeah. and and he would have had the freedom to have the ball on the stick, but it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um I just you know, I'm fortunate that it landed that way for me. A lot of so people are we, think, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think think I was taking the approach of a big fish in a small pond. But first of all, I don't think I was ever like, I was the number one recruit in the country, mm-hmm. but it was based off of like, they never seen, I never played any field tournaments. I played one tournament. And that's where inside lacrosse seen me play or whoever seen me. And your number one recruit after that. Yeah. And to me, it was like, okay, these dudes never even seen me play. Um, And then I went to the Warrior Top 40 and I felt like those dudes were all better than me. Like everybody that was there was like kind of was like they were better players than me. Mm -hmm. So I never thought that I was uh, that I was that good, honestly. I, I knew I wanted to go to college and I wanted to play my freshman year. I wanted to have fun playing the game. And Coach Mar, right from the start, I knew me and Miles could do that. Because every other school wanted Miles to PG. Um, Coach Mar was going to throw us on the field and let us play. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds silly to a lot of people because a lot of people are chasing the championship. But in my family, um, we didn't have people who played division one lacrosse you know brett was one of the first ones i knew and looked up to brett bucktooth Mm -hmm. and then my brothers um and i personally felt like jeremy was held back at at syracuse so for me it was like okay i don't want to be held back somewhere so i just want to go and play Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's the case for a lot of natives right now yeah so we just we mostly just want to play like we'll play we'll play on on thursday nights we'll play Bush League, we'll play. We'll play anywhere. So we just want to play some lacrosse. Yeah. Well, you. I'm thinking of the year that you guys lost to Notre Dame. What year was that? Well, I lost to Notre Dame my oh, soft shoot. My junior, Sorry. junior and senior year. <laughs> the one against. Uh, Long against, Island. Against yeah, at Hofstra. Yeah, that was my junior year. I have no idea who won the championship that year. Like Duke, the, the, Duke. Duke or Denver. Yeah, see, we don't even remember. But I, all I remember is that get you, the fact that you guys didn't make it. So <laughs> that's the the trade off. Is that like, and that's what I meant by, like, if fun is the, if that's the parameter, you guys won every year, and that's why that year. And I, you know, I'm, I love Matt Cavanaugh, but everyone's rooting for Albany. Like, yeah, it, it was a it was a blow to anyone who was watching i think i mean there's probably a few notre dame fans out there but <laughs> they don't, they had to have kids or relatives on the team everyone else was <laughs> was rooting for you guys so yeah. i think yeah just the albany program scenes I, I i talked to blaze about this but seems like a special place for uh 
for players, just for letting players be themselves and have a, you know, and it has downsides, right? It's yeah, it's it's not like it's the perfect system, but it definitely seems like the most entertaining to watch. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. I said the Blaze. I should have went should have went to Albany. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. But yeah, um, that, that game was crazy. It amazing was, uh, game. Still think about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to to bring up old ghosts, but. That was a phenomenal game. Yeah. So you didn't lift a weight until your senior year of high school, or sorry, college. Nope. I got away with that. Really, really hits home with me. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Like, and I have a lot of lot of thoughts on it. I have a lot of. First of all, the first thought is that you want to Wharton without lifting weights, which is just speaks to your talent, right? It's like. You operated, and you're not a huge guy now, but you've gotten into fitness and weightlifting. But why? why what was it about? You know, because I, I listened to a previous interview, and you're like, "Yeah, I would just maybe do bench and then stretch." And I was like, "Damn, again, I should have went to Albany." <laughs> <laughs> but wh- why didn't you like weightlifting? I have a theory about why you didn't, but um. Honestly, I think it was a part, part of it was just that I never did it. And the confidence in my game was just like, why would I, like, I didn't, it was almost like, like my ego was like, I don't need that. Um, So I had a little bit too much confidence. I, I honestly, I wish I did. I wish I got into it earlier, at least to start, start to progress as a freshman into my senior year. I could have been a whole lot bigger, stronger, faster. Sure. But you let a few other people win the tour in those first two years. You know, <laughs> share the fun. <laughs> if you but, just came in and won four. But I I think the biggest part was I just wasn't confident in weightlifting. Like I'd step into the weight room and all my teammates were, you know, cleaning two plates and benching a bunch of weight and squatting a bunch of weight. And I didn't even know how to do a hand clean. I didn't like bench honestly i probably had like 20 maybe 25 pounds on each side Mm -hmm. um and then for squat like i just never did any of it and you know it was i was sort of ashamed to to be in there so a lot of times i would walk in the weight room and i would just hang out with dudes and i'd go into the other room the turf room and stretch (laughs) hang out with with the injured dudes So it was just like an hour and a half, two hours of me just hanging out. Yeah. Um, throwing you were, you in a were couple loose. Reps. You were loose by the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Throwing in a couple reps with the guys, make it look like I was doing some stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I was just like, I was I was ashamed of the fact that everyone was so much stronger than me. Yeah. Maybe that was part of, I mean, I guess maybe that was part of why, because I didn't really start taking it seriously until my sophomore year of high school or sorry college and even then taking it seriously was not you know I was never a monster but not stretch I would do the same as you you know what I mean yeah Yeah, tweak something or stretch I don't need this or but then you get humbled by the game and you don't you don't do that well and you realize wow this is a really serious part of it and maybe it was partly that I didn't I was I just I didn't have success there, right? That's like, well, I know I'm good on the field 
and I know that a guy who's not nearly as good as me can squat X number of pounds, like yeah. I'm going to choose this field and not. That the, was my approach. Also. The weight room. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was part of my psychology as well, but I also just didn't find it fun. Um, and I was, I was looking through your page and seeing these kettle kettlebell workouts that you do. And it seems like, you found a way to like bring creativity into strength and you can correct me if i'm wrong but you seem to do these like flow state inducing kettlebell exercises that are that are like making the weight room fun and i don't know maybe you're you're squatting heavy and doing more traditional weight work as well i go back and forth now so you like both i like both i like to keep it fresh i like to keep it fun i like to continue to like build um and i don't mean by like muscle build i just like to try new things and challenge myself in the weight room like i don't want to risk injury on any of these things Mm -hmm. and the whole reason i got into kettlebell flows was just because um well the pandemic for one like i couldn't step foot into a gym but my main focus was to increase mobility um, and flexibility, like over the pandemic, that was my number one focus. I just wanted to be, become more mobile and I wanted to become more flexible. So when I got into kettlebell flows, I realized that like, one, when I start learning them, I, time would pass. Like I would be like, I'd look on Instagram and I would try to copy one and it would take me like an hour and a half to learn, but time flew by. Like it was like, okay, I finally got it. And I look at my clock and I'd done a full workout of just trying to learn a couple movements. Um, and then I started to do, teach, I started to teach them, teach other people them. And I started to teach my brothers and people I was training. Um, so I had to learn them myself and create my own. And I just fell in love with it. And I, the same thing as lacrosse where you enter a flow state and, um, that's just how I treated that's how I treated the kettle. Like, yeah, it seems that way. It seems like it that, that's a proper marriage of the creativity seeking side and the, I have to lift weight side. Yeah. Where it's like seeing you do that. I was like, damn, this wasn't around. <laughs> if that's what you did in the weight room when I was in college, I probably would have gotten involved. Right. Or yeah. especially creating your own. Right. And yeah. there's probably an excuse on my end. Right. Like maybe I just wasn't cut out for it, but. Yeah, I found that curious. That that hit home with me when you said, "I'm still still analyzing why I didn't didn't don't lift weights in the way that I I probably should." But maybe it is that I'm just not good at it. And then it takes a little time, and then you get good at it, and then you like it. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're now, teaching me <laughs> now. I'm I'm legit obsessed with working out. Mm. Like I. Uh, like I'll work out on game days. I'll work out. Are you working out with weights on game days? Yeah, I'll touch up some weights. Mm-hmm. Um, I stay away from the legs. Once in a while, I'll I'll touch up my hamstrings. But mm-hmm. for the most part, um, you know, my senior year, my parents got me like a jug of protein, some pre-workout for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And right from then, I I got into working out. In um, college. In college. So, so yeah, my senior you took year, the protein shake and you were like, wait. Do I have to lift now? Is that how that's this? what it, that's that was sort of how it was? Like I would, it was like the pre. So I cut my 
Let's see. It had to be like my sophomore year. I cut liquid sugars. Mm-hmm. Like anything out of a can, I, w- I won't like soda. I haven't drank in like eight, nine years. I'm literally touching it to my lips right now. <laughs> so I would. Uh, so the pre-workout was just like tastes so good because I only drank water. I was so used to just drinking water that like, okay, I took pre-workout. Now I have to go work out. Yeah. So then that that became a habit. I was like, okay, I want to take my pre-workout today. But yeah. That means I got to go work out. <laughs> um, a pre-workout story. It's not even yeah. about the... And sometimes I would just go out to the field and, and shoot shots. after. Yeah. And that was like my approach. Like we talk about me not wanting to lift in the weight room as a uh-huh. freshman, sophomore, junior. I could go shoot. Like I could hit the wall all yeah, day. Yeah, there were alternatives. Yeah. Like yeah. we had a box net in our, in, in like the racket room. Mm-hmm. at albany we could rip shots in there all day um wow, so that was like my it was like a, my balance like i was maybe a little bit too dominant and throwing a stick in my hands yeah and the creativity side and not, yeah and not enough with the weight room where i just need to give and take a little bit yeah well which is what i've learned to do now if it's any comfort on the re- you say you regret not having lifted you did a you're the yeah. all-time leader in points, so you know what I mean. I think you're. There's, honestly, no, there's that, nothing. That might regret. have been where my my injuries came from. I For, played. I played my whole senior year with a torn AC joint in my because shoulder. Because you started trying to lift. Yep. That damn pre-workout. That's what I think it was. <laughs> I love that. How, how do I lift? Well, you take pre-workout, and then and it's you'll figure good. it out after that. I love that. Uh, so, what is your like? Your lifestyle now, like you live a very clean lifestyle, fully, you're sober, you don't... You I just, have never touched anything in my life. You no don't, drugs, alcohol. What, what, why, why, why is that decision? I think it was just uh, my upbringing mm-hmm. and something my parents really focused on was making sure we didn't get into those things because in our communities... Um, I do think there can be balance. Like I, I think you can do it in moderation, um, and there's healthy ways of using different different things. But in our communities, um, they haven't been good outlets, and they've they've honestly hurt our communities more than helped. Um, when you look across Native America, we have extremely high rates in drug and alcohol abuse. We have the highest rates in obesity. We have the highest rates in suicide, um, and then our educational systems aren't aren't a priority as a parent. So I think lacrosse kept me on our path, and our parents really stressed. You know, there was a little bit of a scare tactic that they used in like, if you do this, this could happen. With some examples of people that have mm-hmm. went down that path, and then Jeremy. He struggled with it. My oldest brother, Jeremy, struggled with drugs and alcohol abuse and suicide and, you know, considering all that stuff. And we were such a close-knit family that by Jeremy experiencing that, it was almost like we experienced it. And when I look down the line of the lessons we learn, um, it just goes down the line. Like, Like after Jeremy, none of us got into any of that like we made sure to keep a safe distance Mm -hmm. um and then you know Heine he struggled with getting into school he didn't get to cues um 
he was committed there and he just couldn't get through OCC. And me and Miles were like, fuck that, we're not going to OCC, we're, we're getting to school out of high school. Mm-hmm. And then with Miles, um, his was just his health. And when I, my point is like down the line, as a family, we made sure that once one of us made a mistake, the other was able to, it's like, okay, I made this mistake, you're not making this mistake. Um, I, I've, I made the mistake for you, let's get it, put it in the past, and we learn from it as a family. Yeah. So um, I think that was a huge part of it. And honestly, the community I was raised in is also a huge part of it because not that it's not that my specific community in Onondaga was was bad, but you know a lot of my friends who could have been really great um, went down that path, and it was sort of unfortunate. And um, honestly, I I never even had an urge. Like mm-hmm. I never, it was never a thought to me to even, you know, one day maybe. <laughs> well. But. You're 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 doing just fine. I have I have two like sides of me where I I like to have a couple drinks, but also there's a reason you're Lyle Thompson, right? Like that's not a coincidence, right? You, you're you're so focused and dedicated that that plays a part in it, right? Like this yeah. is just a a distraction. It can be fun at times, yeah. But. And for me, um, fun isn't hard for me. You yeah, know, you like, get like, it all that's, that's a lot of people's um, response to when I say I, I've never done it and I don't plan to ever. I like do that. It. You it's can have like, fun. It's yeah. easy for you to have fun. Fun, fun is is one of my superpowers. Like I can, I can make fun out of almost anything. I like and, that. And um, I just know I don't need, I don't mm-hmm. need any of that. Yeah. yeah. Well. Don't change a thing. (laughs) Do not change a thing. Don't. Yeah. Um, that's the, uh, like when I was, I was looking up your, your lifestyle and how you live. There's like, I feel like there's a piece in every person who's like, this is correct. Like that, that that's how one ought to live. And uh, maybe it's that fun is not a superpower for most people. Um, but definitely watching you. It's like something to admire your, your lifestyle and like your, you homeschool your kids, right? Yep. Like that's, you know, if you have a night on the town, you're not waking up to homeschool your kids the next day. So like you're, you know, you're a a great example for, for most people on how you lead your life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, me and my wife, we just try to do things, what what we think is right obviously um there are some flaws in the systems we're living in in society and we're going to we're going to do our best to guide ourselves and guide our our children um but honestly at the end of the day <laughs> I keep bringing it up but it's all about what makes you happy mm-hmm. my kids make me happy lacrosse makes me happy being healthy makes me happy those are my passions and I surround myself with it. So I surround myself with my kids. I play lacrosse um, usually by myself for one hour every single day. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym for two hours every single day. Um, my wife makes great food. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love to go out to eat and have, like, test out. Yeah. 
Yeah. How does the the home on the homeschooling front? What? Why that decision? Right. I, I heard you say in an interview that you didn't like the way that American history was being taught in in schools. Is that? Do you just want? What, what's the rationale behind homeschooling the kids? I think at, at a especially under you know anywhere from under eight years old i think a kid has so much creativity in them and school throws them in a box it says um this is how you do it this is how you have to do it you have to make sure you focus on this sit here science um all these things whereas some kids just can't do that and especially at the this age i want to observe my kids i want to say okay you're you're into dance. You're into like dance. Yeah. You're into art. This one, like my my second oldest, she's or my oldest, she's into art. Like she loves art. And when they go to school, how much is she, is she gonna be fueled her art passion? She might lose it by the time. Yeah, she's three she's years, years in there. Yeah. yeah. By the time she's she's nine, ten years old, she's not even an artist anymore. She don't have that part of her brain that's operating. Yeah, so I think that's the story of the it, traditional education system. Yeah. So when I as a parent, I just want to observe my kids in their early years enough so that I can help guide them. Because at this age, that's what I do as a parent. Like I, I'm not. I haven't thrown the stick in any any of my kids' hands. I haven't said you have to play lacrosse. I'm gonna wait for them to show me their passions. And if they have athletic abilities, I'm gonna be like, let's run with this. <laughs> <laughs> and then the stick will be a heavy yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. And what a great I'll, approach, though. And then I'll throw some drills, and I and I'll take it. Well, you don't really do drills. You just <laughs> you just have fun. <laughs> yeah, I just throw competitions yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it is. Like none of my kids. That's phenomenal, though. Like I didn't. That's you know that pitch for for homeschooling your children is in the perfect. It's a world. great yeah, but but that what you just said is like it makes people it makes me want to homeschool the children that i don't have (laughs) if i had kids that's how i would feel right it's like let's and you want to observe them and see what sets them on fire and then foster that in them as opposed to and let's be honest teaching math for for kindergarten first grade second grade third grade level is so easy well, but I, I was worried about the math because I was looking at your Instagram page and the homes. Like I saw that you homeschool your children and I was like, I don't know if I could. So what what if they're very interested in math? So my second oldest is very interested in math. You got to pass like, them on to a, someone who's very good. At, are you very good at math? No, but like math doesn't get hard until you're in like sixth, seventh grade. And then what happens in sixth, seventh grade? Oh, I'm not homeschooling my kids forever. Oh, okay. So it's um, just early. It's just early. I want to. I want them to. I want to observe them enough to know that they're. They know their passions. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I can feel them. And when they mm-hmm. bring back their homework, instead of being like, to my oldest who hates math, being like, "Hey, we're, yes, we're gonna get through our math, mm-hmm. but your passion is art. I'm gonna fuel your artwork. Exactly. Get through your math. Yeah, we have get, to get through this, and then you'll. Yeah, and in the perfect world, my kids go to school for. I mean, I wish it worked like this, but my kids would go to school for, you know, three hours a day, and then I can come home to meet. Whereas right now, kids are at school from catch the bus at before seven a.m. Mm-hmm. and they're gone until four. Yeah. That's a full work day. Yeah, for a child. 
I that was I I did that. And that up. was my biggest. I don't even thing. do that now. <laughs> <laughs> that I can't was my do that. that was one of my biggest thing because I'm not I don't have a nine to five. Mm-hmm. So it's like send my kids to school and then out for me like just. I, but I, I, in my mind, I, I was thinking that you homeschool them throughout. But it makes so much sense that you you homeschool them during that those formative years of figuring out what they yeah. like and. You it's just I mean? for the formative years. Yeah. So wow, that's an even better pitch. Yeah. So my ten-year-old is going to school. Um, my my she'll be she's eight. Mm-hmm. Um, she might. I'm not sure. She is very into like the schooly stuff, like science, mm-hmm. math. Um, so that's where it's like, okay, as a parent, school is maybe best for you. Um, because some of those things just aren't my passions. I don't enjoy teaching them. My yeah. wife doesn't enjoy teaching them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, let somebody else You're do You're just this. hoping one of them's a lacrosse player. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you yeah, yeah. Someone. I'm not going to force you, but my pick ba- what you like, but I'll tell you what I like. <laughs> my youngest, I think, is going to be, she's she's two, and mm-hmm. she grabs a stick, and she knows how to scoop it and throw it and everything. There we go. So my boy, too, I think the fact that he's a boy, there's a little bit of extra pressure on him mm-hmm. yeah. from the world yep in myself um but i i'd like it for him too yeah was this your plan to be a what you are a, a professional lacrosse player i mean I, my hunch is that it wasn't and that you just things unfolded and that you did what you do in a game right that you you just had fun playing the sport and turned out to be the best player to ever play the sport and now you're a professional player in the sport like did you say i want to be did you tell yourself in, in high school and college that you wanted to be? I always wanted to be the best. Mm-hmm. Like, like in just a competitor in any athlete, like you always want to be better than someone you think is, is better than you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to work to be better than that person. Um, but I don't think I ever had sight. I, I know for a fact I never planned on playing college lacrosse. Just wasn't a thing. Um, now it is for you know, the youth within our communities, but I didn't set goal on playing college until my brothers start getting recruited. So like, you know, eighth, ninth grade. Um, and they were even later, like they didn't, they didn't know college was a thing until they got recruited. Um, and then professional, I would say I wanted to play professional box lacrosse since I was younger. Like we would go to Rochester Nighthawk games um, I knew a lot of those players, the players in my community, that was their goal. I grew up watching Brett Bucktooth, Gawa Schindler, Neil Paulus, guys in my community that played professional mm-hmm. box. And so I think I, I did want to be a professional box lacrosse player. Um, but on the field side, I just wasn't really. Yeah, you saw the face off and you're like, <laughs> I was actually a face-off guy. <laughs> I actually battled against Nardella. Yeah, like, you're good at facing off. Well, because you're just so good on the ground. And you you do a... Wasn't your move like a quick little sweep out? Um, I mean, I was a... I, I would do a pinch and pop. But once I got to college, everyone was so good at the clamp. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I knew I wasn't going to beat them. So I was either grabbing their stick and pulling it or sweeping <laughs> yeah, it out. Sweeping. <laughs> Those are my two go-tos. Uh-huh. Go 
And I took quite a bit of face-offs my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I remember. Well, you... Did you wear a different number your freshman Four year? Four zero. Yeah, so that's what... Because we... You're obviously on the scout as uh, the number one recruit in the country. And you were... It's not like you couldn't have went through your college career and been a first-team All-American midfielder. You could have, right? So that's, that's what I found curious. It was like, what what was the shift into why did you move to attack um i i touched on it earlier but i'm it's just like what what was the conversation like where it was like scott marr was like i think you might be the best player i've ever seen why don't that, we throw you down low i that was just it like coach marr was like we need you on the field the whole game mm-hmm. like every offensive possession we need you on the field and we need you to have the energy to dodge mm-hmm. every time so um, I went to Finland for road games, and he was like, "When you come back, you're you're an attackman. On, on we're preparing you for attack. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to grab some, I mean, <laughs> seriously, that would have been. We're all thankful for that move. <laughs> but yeah, that's just how it was. Like, and I was sort of uncomfortable behind there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't comfortable. That's even more backs. fascinating. The fact that you say you were uncomfortable, and then turned out to be. Miles is actually the one who gave me the the biggest lessons on how to because I used to speed dodge. I used to like try to run by an offender, and when you speed dodge, you think too fast. Like you're not able to see slides, you're not able to see make the right feeds. Bingo. Everything's for yourself a lot mm-hmm. when you speed dodge. And the first thing I learned, and the first thing Miles told me was like, "Bro, you're dodging way too fast. You have to slow down and I see love the that. slides. Yeah. See." You're at X. Let everything see everything. Um, Be slower. It is true, though. Yeah. Like you're. I, I had that problem myself. Still do, probably. But you try to smoke the guy. You're trying yeah. to. It's like just lean on him. Yeah. See, let the play develop. Yeah, and then as my college career went through, I almost did that a little bit too much sometimes. Like I would get too. Not, you you play the lean too much. Yeah, and then what I come to realize now is like, okay, some defenders. I should speed dodge. Some defenders, I should go really slow. Some defenders, I should mix it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always use like, like Joe Fletcher for an example, like that Loyola game. Oh, I remember I didn't, that. I didn't have to speed dodge against him because he played such a position role. Yeah, he was. He's good. He's really good defender Excellent, on ball. Yeah. So. Where I could pick him apart is just by yeah. taking my you just time. Just lean on him at like him six make... and six and then backhand it to the top right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just leaning on him and waiting for him to make a mistake. Bingo. Um, whereas someone like Tucker Durkin, like I probably want to get moving. Get away from him. him. Fast. Yeah, get yeah. away from him. Yeah. Um, make him work, draw a slide somehow that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took those two different approaches. It was like sometimes I'm going to have to dodge someone with speed. Sometimes uh-huh. I'm going to have to slow myself down, get in his body, sometimes mix it up. Yeah. Well, again, it's worked out for you. <laughs> As someone who didn't lift or know how to dodge from behind until midway through college, <laughs> that's hurting me because I played behind behind the net most of my life and didn't, you know. I didn't do a backhand until men's league this season. I did a backhand and I was like, "That's really? that's Lyle Thompson." <laughs> <laughs> if you had just gone Why to college before me, 
because I, I went around. Why didn't I do it in, in college? Yeah. I needed to see it. You know, you know how your yeah, yeah. daughter yeah. turned off the sink because she <laughs> saw you do it? I just needed to. It felt natural. I was like, damn, I should have been doing that for years. I was trying it's to go so righty. Easy. I know. I was trying to go to my right <laughs> hand. Why would I go righty when I can just do. Yeah, the thing when you go righty, when you go your off hand, you're just exposing your body. Like the defender's like, oh, there's an elbow I can just lift mm-hmm. and getting right under. As opposed Whereas to here, you're protected. See, and if, if I want to chase it, yeah, you know, you're here. you wouldn't even had to give that explanation. All I needed was for you to be older than me, and I would have been <laughs> way more successful. So many kids are doing it now. It's a go. I know. Move. Well, it is replacing coming around that the net with your offhand. Like, why would you that that pitch you just gave? Why would I put it in my right hand? which I'm worse at handling and also exposes the elbow when I can just shoot it backhand. Yeah. Same thing in a normal backhand. Whereas a lot of people, they open up to make the feed mm-hmm. when really you just protect your arms. And Do, yeah. So behind your back. Like yeah. A normal backhand. You're, man, men's league. This is what, <laughs> this is the only place I have to apply this. But um, let's get into... I saw in that article that you wrote, I think you touched on it earlier, but that you're still like adjusting to your the platform that you have as, you know, not only the greatest, one of the greatest, you're not, you're, st- how old are you? 28. You're 28. So you have plenty of time ahead of you, but a lot of people would put you right up there with the rest of the greatest to ever play. But you're also Native American. Your ancestors invented the sport. And th- there's a pressure, a platform that comes with that. And I think you said you were still weren't used to it or you're adjusting to it. Like, talk, talk to me about that. I mean, I, I, um, it, it is a, the sort of a leadership role is, is, it's tough, and especially in today's society where, like, social media plays such a big role on everything. Um, people expect a lot out of, especially when you start, like, I've started to speak out, and I've started to voice my opinions on things, and that's all they are. They're my opinions, um, and I, I get a lot of support, and, you know, it's been a while since I've had, like, backlash from anything I've I've done, but... Um, it's just been a weird place for me to social media itself. is just a really weird, like I, I don't have a good relationship with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, does anyone, I don't like it. I don't think anyone does. No, I think people love it. Like I think they do, people, but they don't realize what it's doing to them. Yeah. And I don't, and I realize that like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be a part of, like if, if it were up to me, my I know, accounts well, are done. Um, <laughs> We're going to touch on that next. But but I think um, social media has put a lot of pressure on, on me to play this leadership role. But I've come to the point where it's just like, okay, I just got to voice my opinions, things that I think are important. And that's all they are is my opinions. And I want to, I know I have good intentions for whatever it is I'm touching on, whether it's pipelines or missing murder indigenous women's or every child matters. Um, I know that these things, these issues that I care so deeply about, um, need to be touched on because especially within native America, people don't know about us. 
people don't know our history. It's not taught in school. Um, so it's a part of my mission. It's a part of my foundation is to start to bring these things to light so that it's not just me. It's not just, you know, people don't come to my account just to be like, here, let me see what Lyle has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it should be a part of curriculum. And I'm going to speak out on whatever whatever I think is important because I think that's what, um, that's why I've been given this, this sort of platform is because I'm a thinker and I don't just let other people create my own opinions or my thoughts. Um, I'm able, able to dissect what has happened and I'm, I'm definitely not impulsive. Like when news hits social media, I'm not speaking on it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made that mistake and I like to think deeply and think it, think about it from multiple different angles to make sure that when I speak on it, I understand what I'm speaking about and I can simplify it for other people to understand it in an easier way because a lot of these things um, get swept under a rug because people aren't speaking. They're, yeah, they, they make it ambiguous and it becomes yeah. uh, difficult to digest. Yeah, that's what, and that's all I try to do is I always try to respond, not react. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, going through your your account today and just listening to different things that you've posted, I, that definitely comes across, right? Like, you'll put out a, a video where you talk for five, eight minutes at a time, and you've clearly put it. This is not an off the cuff video. This is something that you've let simmer yes. and yeah. you've thought about it, and then you say, "Okay, I'm going to say something about this." Yeah. So. It definitely what what you just said. It as a a fan of you and seeing your statements, you definitely don't react. What was it? You don't. Re- I, I try you, not to react. You I respond. Respond. You don't react. Yeah. And and I think what social media has done, um, and I can't just say social media. I'll just say the support mm-hmm. is. It's made me feel like I have to continue to put out statements or put out these different things when that's not my obligation. Um, so that's, that's been the tough part. Yeah. Like the pressure to have an opinion on everything or like people want my opinion. Um, but I don't necessarily necessarily have a strong opinion on everything. Yeah. Like, Like some things, um, you know, I just don't, I don't think too hard about, I, I understand why it's happened and how it's happened. And Mm -hmm. that's just it. Um, and people are calling me out because I haven't yeah. spoken. Why haven't you? Yeah. Why haven't you touched on this? Well, I thought about it and it didn't grip me. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you're sitting in the pressure. sun. By the way, the way the sun has set, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the shade, and I feel like you're getting blasted. Hey, who won the game? You're getting blasted by the uh, sun. What was the score? What was the final? Needs to be under twenty three and a half. <laughs> what time is it, by the way? Thirteen seven. I covered on both. There we go. Um, what time is it? Seven fifteen. All right, I'll I'll round it up here. Sorry if we're going too long. It's all good. I have nowhere to be. Okay, my, cool. My mind's occupied right now. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> glad to be your the source of your uh, keeping it moving. 
Um, I saw uh, you. Who's your favorite player to ever play? To ever play? Bo- Just boxer yeah. field. Good question. Both. Okay, so box has to be John Gunn Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, just his style. Yeah, who, who else? Yeah. Field. Got to be Mikey Paul. Yeah, so that, that I expected that to be your answer. because that's My list is you two at the top. And, you know, everyone's got their own yeah. opinions. But... Um, I hate the greatest of all time. Arguments, yeah, it's not really a... <laughs> you can go the statistical route. You can go what style in, you like. In any sport, too. It's I go so purely dumb. stylistic. What I like to watch, right? What what I have fun watching. Yeah. Um, and you two fall into that category. But you, you said you had a discussion with him. And I had the opportunity to meet him in 2012. So, damn, almost 10 years ago. Um, and do a road trip with him and got along with him quite well because I feel like our personalities were, he just didn't care about the commercial egotistical. He's Mike Powell. I was like, yeah, you know how many times I've watched your highlight tape, <laughs> but he, he didn't, that didn't matter to him. It wasn't a thing. And, um, I saw that you had had a discussion with him and you were touching on, how much like the commercialization and the ego involved in the modern sport basically um so how do you balance being you and also like you're a very humble down to earth like you just said you don't if you had the choice you wouldn't have a social media account right yeah more or less but you're also a nike athlete which is one of the largest brands on the planet like how do you navigate that I mean, it's uh, it is it is a weird area, just mm-hmm. like I just talked about with the social media sort of landscape. But I, um, you know, my conversation with Mikey was like, it was talking about the current state of lacrosse mm-hmm. and how we're treating the game. And one of the biggest things he said to me was, you know, his intention was never to change the game. Um, or make a certain amount of money or make any any um you know endorsement deals or do something for like anything like that yeah wasn't even on his radar it was he just wanted to play the game and honor the game for what it was he wanted to honor and it's it really resonated with me because that's why i play the game it's like it's almost like i was talking to another native about the spiritual the spiritual dimension of this game it's like he just wanted to, his only goal was to honor the game by how he played. Um, and he felt like that was being lost. And it's true. It is being lost. Um, right from the youth, how we treat our youth game mm-hmm. to the professional level. And um, that's that's how I try to, that's how I try to handle that. It's just that um, accept sort of, the situation I'm put in, cards I'm dealt with, but at the same time, I go back to my core values. It's about respect. It's about doing things with a with a clear mind, with a good mind, 
um, be kind and to have fun with what I'm doing. And when I when I'm not having fun, that's when I'm gonna when I'm gonna hang them up. Um, I plan to have a really long career because still at this point in my career, I enjoy playing this game. Mm-hmm. I enjoy practicing it. That's the biggest part. It's like I actually enjoy practicing it, going in the backyard, um, playing catch with a friend, playing catch with a board. That's why. That's why. That's how I know I still love the game. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it also seems like what you know. You have a, a Nike sponsorship, and you have. Thompson Brothers Lacrosse, you're able to be yourself pretty much throughout all of that. It doesn't seem like there's been any sacrifice of of who you are. Yeah, definitely not. I don't think. Um, I think you got to keep, especially in in Native America, we got to keep some of these companies accountable and be very cautious on how we're being used. Um, I think Nike, We I've grown a really good relationship with Nike. They do a lot of good stuff for for us. And they also take it, take into consideration our our opinions on things like... Those shoes are those shoes. so cool. I, I got to design them. I got mm-hmm. to choose that I wanted them made from sustainable products, sustainable leather. Um, I got to choose... I had input on all that, which, mm-hmm. was, which was really nice. Um, but making sure the native side of me, the native in me, isn't being tokenized. So that's one thing I'm always really cautious about, whether, mm-hmm. whether it's um, the team I'm playing for, the league I'm playing for, a company that's branding me, um, whatever the case may be. First and foremost, I want to make sure the intentions are right, the intentions are right for me, that it's good for the people mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah. Um, not just a company, not yeah. just a business, but the people in that it's sustainable. It's gonna last. It's something that's gonna be that's not that's not good now, but gonna hurt in ten years. So I have this very long term approach, um, that I that that I've adopted from my culture, from um our our confederacy and our approach on leadership. So is it a, it's a more long-term generational thought process? That's our so process. Is is um, it's all based off of thinking about who comes next, the next seven seven generations. We put seven as a number just because it's realistic mm-hmm. to look and make sure you're making choices that are healthy for you in the next seven generations. And nowadays, what we see is people only look out for their families, yeah, their generation. If that. Yes. They look out for themselves, their families. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing much more. And I've I still continue to learn about my culture and about my ancestors' way of life. And that's the biggest thing I've learned is that we had a really we were really wise people. The the whole US government was based off of our Confederacy. Our um the whole plan of union came from from the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, our council, our grand council, mm-hmm. which is made up of chiefs, clan mothers, and faith keepers. And then our president is the Tadadaho, which is 
you know, the U.S. government is a replica of that. We have 50, 50 people who sit in each, each seat. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a heavy matriarchal aspect to Native American culture as well, right? Yeah, everything everything is, I mean, colonization has really changed our mindsets, but everything at one point was really based off of the women. Um, the women were the life supporters, life sustainers. They give the life, they hold the life, and um, they're the ones who pass on the clan and choose the next leaders. Um, and we still carry on those traditions, but... Those are all things I continue to learn from and I try to keep with me, whether it's in lacrosse, whether it's in business. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not good at the business side of things, but it's it's something That's that... That's the artist. That's the artist. <laughs> you're, you're just proving my point. <laughs> but it's, it's something that I always have to go back to my core values. And at the core of things, my biggest lessons have came from lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to them whenever I'm going through conflict, stress. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the plan moving forward? I was just wondering, how do you stay motivated when you're two-time Tawarton winner, NLL MVP, NLL champion, MLL MVP, MLL champ, or, yeah, champion? Is, is PLL MVP, PLL champion, is that the next goal? Is there... Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's always a goal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I won't say that being a PLL MVP is is a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that'll go against your policy. You don't the, you don't chase. You just it just comes happen. as a product of of fun. Exactly. But, so, um, I I want to see our team. You know, we have a new team. Expansion teams are always tough, mm-hmm. and we've lost a lot of close games. We've been struggling the past two games, and I think a part of that is is um, partly myself because of because of the change in roles with my with my injury I've had to play a new role and it's caused my teammates to play a new role and I think if we can just put it go back to how we were playing the first three weeks we're a dangerous team and we can still pull off some really good things um hopefully this season you know they're still hoping this season and again, I always think long term. Yeah, you're seven generations deep here. You're and I, I think about creating a team identity. Mm-hmm. You know I mean you look across this league, you look at any professional league. Why are teams good for so long? Yeah, those are the teams. You look that... at the Whips; like they have an identity. They, they have, have all those damn Maryland guys. Th- yeah, they have chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the San Antonio Spurs; like they created something. The yeah. Chicago Bulls. You, mm-hmm. you look at these teams that. The, the Patriots and it's all about finding your identity and almost identifying with it and making sure you're you're being within it um, you're making sure you're playing your role and doing things as as the unit does so that's my long-term approach it's like yes we're a young new team and we're only gonna get better we're already good this year, but we're only gonna get better. And like I said, I plan on playing for a long time. Hopefully yeah, I like I, to hear I stay that. Right here, I like to hear that. <laughs> You're not gonna pull a Khabib. You're like, <laughs> I just did your celebration, um, but I like to hear that. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's about time we wrap this up. I apologize for having you sit in the sun while I get the shade. The sun is my friend, man. But that's oh, I like that too. But um, thanks for chatting with me. Obviously, yeah. I'm a huge fan. Became more of one over these. Uh, how long have we been chatting? Hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> two hours. But yeah, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, it. Yeah, I mean, I really do appreciate it. So there you have it. <laughs>